Well, good morning, everybody. We've been in a great series about circles, and uh, we've been talking about how circles can work better than rows. I mean, rows are great. Rows are places, especially on a Sunday morning like this, that we gather. We don't just sit in rows. Right? You, you come, and you're not, you're not the audience today. You're, God's the audience today. You come and you worship and you bring yourself before God. We do that together, and that is a beautiful expression of worship. But this morning, we're talking about circles and how circles work differently than rows and how they can bring us even something better than rows. And so this morning, I want to encourage you like to, to engage in the significant things that can happen in circles. And specifically, we're talking about global circles today. What are global circles? Why should you be part of a global circle? So let me tell you a little about our church and our church family, our larger church family. We're part of this church, larger church family called the Alliance. And uh, the Alliance is really cool. I discovered the Alliance as an adult coming to church, coming back to church and going like, oh, wow, this is really cool. So let me just tell you a little about the Alliance's, a little bit of the Alliance's global circle. We are part of a larger church family that has over 2,000 churches. And get this, over 37 different dialects and people groups in the U.S. That's not even across the world. Across the world, we are part of a larger family that has over 20,000 churches. 20,000 churches around the world, representing more than 180 different people groups and dialects and languages. And so when we come together, like on a Sunday, when Alliance churches are worshiping together, part of our just, our, our little C, part of our local church, when we come together like this, we are more than 2 million people, 2 million people who are on the same page. What does Alliance represent? It just represents a, a family of churches who are committed to the Great Commission. Say so We want to go and introduce everyone to the good news of Christ. And so this morning, as we do that, as we talk about that, I want you to understand our context. Our context, even within the Alliance family, 2 million people, that's just a drop in the bucket compared to like 2 billion people, one-third of the world's population who identify themselves as Christians, as people who know the name of Jesus. And that still leaves a lot of people who don't. And so this morning, um, when we talk about this, I want you to understand the context within we're talking about it. Now, the thing is that just hearing all the statistics probably doesn't convince you. It certainly doesn't answer the question of why. Why should I be part of a global circle? You don't get any of those answers with just those statistics. In fact, you might be sitting here going, well, I mean, why should I be part of the global circle? Sean, you know, I work here. I live here. My family is here. Why should I care about all these people far away? Isn't there plenty of things to care about right here? And so I want to give you two really great reasons this morning. Two really great reasons to be part of God's global circle and how that can change your life. And specifically, one of them, if, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you've made that commitment. One of them, it really starts on the essence of God's heart. And God's heart for us is that we go out in obedience. We go out in obedience to make sure everyone has heard the good news. And so we're going to start this morning just by celebrating a little bit of what God's already done through our church this past year as daybreakers have participated in global circles and traveled the world globally to help people hear the good news of Jesus. Let's watch this video. This world's only hope 
privilege of uh, traveling to both those places with our teams to Cambodia and to Ecuador and I got to tell you it's just so cool to 
know that you've got friends around the world to see friends in those videos. Like, yeah, oh, I know them. So I got to tell you, like, this, this whole idea of going out might feel kind of crazy to you. might feel like, mm, do I really want to do that? But there is such incredibly good reasons to go. And God asks us to go. So why should I be part of the global, global circle? Because our obedience to God's heart brings blessing and brings glory to God. So it brings glory to God and it blesses others when we're part of that, when we take that step. Now, there's a lot of reasons that we resist, a lot of good reasons that we resist. I mean, going, going overseas, going on a trip like that, being part of a global circle, it can make us uncomfortable. I mean, it certainly is way outside maybe our normal zone of like what we're used to. And it's, it's not convenient in any way that we participate in a global circle, whether we go or we support it. Like, it's inconvenient. It's not like, hey, this is just easy to do. It takes something more. And, and it causes us to look at things like when I go on a global trip like that and I go sit with other people around the world, it makes me look at my own values and it, it stirs things up in my heart that I go, you know, I thought that was like an important value, but that's just a, that's just a Sean value, not a God value. Like there's these things that stir in my heart that are just uncomfortable. Like, I didn't want to know that till I know it now. You know, it's, it's kind of annoying when you discover things. You're like, I always believed this to be true. And now I find out it doesn't really align with God's heart. That's, that's kind of annoying. Like, so there's all kind of great reasons for you to go. And, and, and you might even say, like, isn't there plenty of things just to focus on locally? Things that we could help with locally. So let me just validate your feelings. Those things are all true. They're all true. Every one of them. And they were even more true in the first century Jerusalem. They're even more true in the first century when, when Christians were said, go out. I mean, it was dangerous to leave your locality. You didn't know what you would face. There was no way in first century that you could leave and have enough food to take with you. There were not just hotels any place along the road. You could not go on Priceline and find a great place to stay and know what your destination was. You didn't know. There's no phones to call ahead. It's dangerous when you go out there and in a, in a cultural context where the message of Jesus in a day where, where emperor was God, where there was this pagan society, where it was polytheistic, when you brought the message of Jesus as king and Lord, it was dangerous. It was a dangerous message to bring. So is it true today? Yeah, was it true then? Yeah. It was true even more then. And yet... In Jesus' last words, some of his last words to his closest followers, he brought this up. And he brought this up in response to one of their questions. Here was their question. Jesus, we've been with you a while now, and this has been awesome, and uh, we're, just, we're just wondering. Like, you have talked about the kingdom coming. You've talked about what it's going to be like when God rules. Like, when's that going to happen? When are you going to restore Israel? When are you going to restore the kingdom? When are you going to take our nation and make it like perfect under God's rule again? Seems like legitimate questions. Don't people ask those questions today? This is what Jesus responds to. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We say, so the disciples say, how and when is the kingdom coming? This is what Jesus says. Well, here's how it's going to come. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
the disciples were like, wait, 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 wait. I think, I think you were answering a different question than we were asking. That's not the question we were asking. He's like, oh, no, no, no. That is the answer to the question you were asking. You want to know how the kingdom will be restored? You will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses here in your city with the people that you love. You'll be my witnesses here in your country, in Judea and all around. You'll be my witnesses in Samaria. You know the Samarians that you don't even know what to make of. They're not like you. Sometimes you feel like they might be less than you. You'll be my witnesses there. And you'll be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. This is what Jesus called his people to. And not just, not just the disciples. This was not just a word to those 12. It was a word to all of us, to the church. It's, it's the mission of the church. It's who we are. Now, we resist this individually, don't we? I mean, all of us have a tendency to resist this kind of a message individually. We're like, ah, I just kind of like being comfortable. I kind of like the way my life is. I don't, I don't want to disrupt that too much. And I want you to think about this this way. We were just like kind of like going out outside our comfort zone. Think about, just let's just talk about history for a second. Let's not even talk about faith journey, the spiritual journey for a second. What if Columbus had never ventured out? I mean, what if he had never discovered the new world, the passage to the new world? Would you be here today? Would this, would this nation, would your way of living be the same? What if, I don't know, what if pioneers had never decided to go west? What if they had never got in those wagons and headed out into the unknown? I mean, you would never have tasted Texas barbecue. I mean, that would be a real loss, be a real loss. There are so many things that if we hadn't ventured out, we would have never discovered. We would be without And the same is true in our faith story. We talked about this last week, right? Like this pivot point in history where Abram was given this message to say, I want you to leave where you are and I want you to go out because I want to bless not just you, but I want to bless you to be a blessing to all nations. And so Abram was given this mission. What if he had said, no, I think I'll stay. I think it could change the whole story of blessing to all the nations that God came through. What if, what if this other pivot point we talked about last week when Peter changed from this, oh, well, I want to tell all the, all the people who are like me, all the Jewish people about Jesus. What if he had never said yes to that vision that God gave him to say, no, 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 this is for all people, all people. What if that had never happened? What if he had never taken the chance to go outside his comfort zone? This is part of our story. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses everywhere to the very ends of the earth. The, the whole story of God is about a movement out to every person that they might know the name of Jesus, that they might know the story of redemption, that they might know what it means to be reconciled and restored to God and to have their life changed. This is the whole point of God. And, and, and when Jesus answers the questions of his disciples, when he said, they say, what are you going to do to restore the kingdom here? He says, you are thinking so small. I need to you need to broaden your horizon. What am I going to do to restore the kingdom? Everywhere. Everywhere. I want you to be part of that. Now, his disciples are at a point where they are people who, you know, kind of the definition of a disciple is, right? A learner. If you're a disciple in first century Jerusalem, you know that you're a learner of someone else. You're learning not just knowledge, 
not just a student of knowledge, you're a student of living. You're like an apprentice. You're like, hey, how do I live like you're living? How do I think like you're thinking? How do I feel like you're feeling? This is, this is the message of disciples. So they've been disciples. They've been following Jesus. They've been figuring this out. They've been learning about God. And their life, I mean, mind-blowing different. But in this moment, Jesus says, I want you to change your trajectory. I am calling you not just to be disciples. I am calling you to be something else, something more. He's calling us all to it when he says, I want you to be my witnesses everywhere. In fact, this word witness in the Greek, Jesus uses the very precise word that gets translated witnesses, but more literally in Greek means martyr. Martyr. Now, you know what a martyr is, don't you? Someone who lays down their life for a cause. Someone who loves other people enough to lay down their life. Someone who speaks the truth in the face of danger. Even if there is something that, man, that's going to make them uncomfortable. They don't, they're not even having questions of comfort. If you are a witness, if you're a martyr, you don't ask questions of comfort. You ask questions for others. You say, what must I do to have others be better? What must I do to lay down my life for something so good, so rich, so true? that I want everyone to know. And my life is not like, I can't just be mediocre. I can't just sit in the background. That's, that's what Jesus is calling them to. He says, listen, I want you to be witnesses. I want you to go from just being disciples to being apostles, to being those who are sent out. And that can be kind of intimidating, except that Jesus doesn't say, I want you to go out. Good luck with that. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in you. In other words, The living God is about to indwell your life. And if you'll step out in faith, if you'll obey in faith, you're about to experience the power of God the way you've never experienced it before, to bless others and to glorify God, to make God's name famous, to make sure everyone knows the name of Jesus. And not just in your city, and not just in your state, and not just with people that are like you, but to the very ends of the earth that everyone might know and speak the name of Jesus, that everyone might have that, have that message and know it's true. It says, you'll be my witnesses. It's not convenient. It's not comfortable. But it's Jesus' prophetic command over our lives as followers of Christ. And if you want to experience the power of God, and I'm going to tell you this just from my own experience, and not just from my own experience, but... I want you to hear it from other people's experience too. If you want to experience the power of God, if you want to experience like the the power of the current of God, then you have got to step off the riverbank and stop just observing the water. And you've got to step down into the water and let it flow and push you and feel the current. Because you've got to get out where God is moving. And this is where God is moving. This is where God says, I, my spirit is moving. And if you want to experience it, then go out and be part of the stream of my current and the power of where my spirit is moving. And that's been true for my life over and over again, where blessing has been true and God's name has been made famous and I've got to be part of it and it's a great privilege. I don't want you to be part of it too. I want you to be able to experience that same thing. I don't want you to experience it just like so many other daybreakers have over the last year. And we're gonna watch their stories as well. Let's watch. Well, hey, thank you, Daybreak Church, for sending a group to uh, work with us at English Camp this year. It's been a great camp, perhaps one of the best we've ever had. And uh, 
as I was saying with, to the group earlier, the fact that your group came helps us do what we do. See, we have these small schools uh, in, in churches all over the country. We come alongside churches and we help them to start English and computer schools. And then the students from those schools come to English and some of them are believers, some of them are not believers, but all of them get moved along in the process closer to God. And we cannot do what we do without you guys doing what you do. We cannot do English camp without people coming over and helping us. Uh, I could do it myself, but like three people would show up and they would leave after a day. So because you guys came and because you Daybreak sent them to come. We were able to have a huge English camp, under over 120 students from many different provinces. We've now gone back to their homes and are going to be able to talk about and be excited about what is going on, and that's going to help even more people to come into the church. So, again, thank you, and we look forward to be able to continue to work together as we work to see the kingdom of God grow here in Cambodia. I'm grateful this morning to have the opportunity to say thank you to the Daybreak family. Now, this year has been a, a very difficult year, and and when things are going well in missions, uh, maybe you, you don't rely on a partnership as much as you do when, when they are. Um, this year has been very difficult and the friendships that we've developed over the past several years, uh, Daybreak teams coming down and, and Mel and all of the staff at Daybreak and Pastor Joel, those friendships uh, help carry us. The, the timing of this year for Daybreak to come, for our students, having got, uh, most of them have been uh, sick multiple times. We've, we've had a, a good friend of ours that was scared to death earlier in January. We lost a staff member to a sudden illness uh, six weeks ago. And to have Daybreak come and put their arms around us uh, was, a, was at a time that we needed it desperately. Um, I want to, as I, as I think back to when this partnership began, uh, and as I've worked with a few other uh, churches around North America, what stands out about Daybreak is their authenticity. And they're the, they take, they really want to know who we are. They're not just coming for a week to say, uh, hey, you guys are awesome. You guys are out in the middle of the jungle doing something. Give me a high five and you never hear from them again. The Daybreak has, has sat down and, and asked us about what we're doing here, how we're training missionaries, and indigenous uh, youth to become missionaries, to go into unreached places. There's still hundreds, hundreds of places with no Christian witness here. And we need, we're trying to develop them and disciple uh, our students to send them out. And Daybreak has helped us do that. They've, They've helped us when we needed to build the school. They sent teams down to help us build. Each step of the way, uh, Daybreak has been with us. And it, it does. It, 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 it's, it's really impactful, and it's precious to us. And so I want to thank you all, um, Pastor Joel, Pastor Rick. God bless you guys for, for allowing your team to, to go forth into places that maybe a lot of people wouldn't go. And this morning we had a beautiful um, 
time together in the prayer hut where Pastor Fred taught us about the armor of God and how the Roman soldiers would take up their shields and form in a circle and hold their shields above the one for the flaming darts coming in. And it was such a beautiful picture of daybreak holding their shields over us. And and saying with it. And and it's 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 what it's all about. Go either for in the world, we're a team with the body of Christ. So just want to thank you. Um, God bless you. And we hope to see you down here. Those who say, I, I'm not called to do that, I'm saying, yeah, you are. Uh, so we'll see you down here. God bless. So that you might have not caught all of what they're saying, so we actually recorded that of our international workers on the field. And uh, the, the translation is this. The first worker, Bill, Bill, was just talking about how we do English camps and how it changes people's lives and, and how we build relationship there. And they can't do that without us coming alongside, without us partnering and blessing. And how many people get blessed because of that? And Mark uh, is from Ecuador, and they run a mission school. We come alongside them, and we help them, and we, we come along, we build buildings. We, we come alongside them, and others are blessed. And not just what you bless them with, but you bless students that then go out, and they've committed their lives. They're like these 20-year-olds who say, I'm gonna, I want to give my life over to going to the ends of the earth. And some of them are going, not just being trained there for Ecuador, they're going overseas to someplace else. And you get to be part of that, to bless them. And there's all the, like you hear Mark say, like there's hundreds and thousands of people in Ecuador still in the jungles who have not heard the name of Jesus. Never heard it. You get to be part of it. You get to be part of that blessing. So we're grateful for that. It blesses others. And it makes Jesus' name famous. But there's another reason for you to go and be on this journey. Let me talk to you about this. The second reason when Jesus asks us to obey and the blessing that's involved there. Why be part of this global circle? Because our obedience gives us a taste of heaven. And it blesses us. It gives us a taste of heaven and it blesses us. So see, if, if the only picture you ever have of faith and of what it looks like to follow God and to, to be in a circle, if the only picture you have of that kind of thing is the pictures you've experienced on the planet, like the, the moments that you've experienced on the planet. If that's all you've ever experienced, you have missed one of the greatest images that you will ever know as a follower of Jesus. And one of the greatest images is this, this amazing picture, that this amazing picture that's kind of like we've been on this journey for a long time, and there's this image that gets painted of a, or the eventuality, the ultimate circle that gets painted for us in heaven where God is at the center. And your eternity, your eternity, your life after this life includes this scene. And if you don't get this picture, you won't know what you're living for. I mean, you could go through your whole life as a Christian and not really know what you're living for if you don't understand the scene, if you can't picture it. And that's why it's so important. And this scene is found in the book of Revelation in Revelation 7. And it's, it's Revelation was written by this close follower of Jesus named John, one of his really good friends. And he has this vision. He has this vision. The whole book of Revelation is about this apocalyptic vision of what's to come and, and what's to come in the last days. You know, this, this chaos and things that are poured out and things when, when mankind goes terribly wrong and what God will do to correct that and rescue us from it. All of that's happening in, in the book of Revelation. We find this little scene and it's right in the middle of all this chaos that's happening on the planet. There's this one little scene of heaven and what we get this picture of what heaven's going to be like, what we're aiming for. 
what we could be a part of. And here it is in Revelation chapter 7. After this, I looked. So after all the chaos that I've seen happen in the world, I looked. And there was before me a great multitude that no one could count. Have you ever been to a stadium before where you're like, wow, there's a lot of people. And it would take a lot of work to count them, but you could probably count them. Now I want you to picture a crowd that no one Stadiums upon stadiums upon stadiums of people, like just millions and billions and billions of people, all standing together in this crowd from every nation and every tribe and every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, the Lamb of God, which is Jesus, standing all before them, and they're wearing white robes, and they're holding palm branches in their hands. And they're crying out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is the scene in heaven. This is this great circle in heaven, this vision in heaven of what could be, what will be. When you stand around the throne of God with every tribe and every tongue and every nation and every language, when you're hand in hand, arm in arm with people, and you're standing around and you are in the presence of God and you have finally been made whole. And you can't even imagine this scene of, of worship as we all proclaim out of the goodness of our own life, out of the thankfulness of God, thank you for making me whole. Thank you for allowing me to be in this place. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, to Jesus who rescued us. All together, we do that. That's pretty crazy to proclaim all of that together. And, and these, they all have white robes because they've been purified by Christ. And, and they're waving palm branches. And palm branches, if you're reading this and you're the Jewish reader, because the person writing this is Jewish, you would have pictured the Feast of Tabernacles, the waving of palm branches. The Feast of Tabernacles was this scene of like, it was a, it was a celebration of harvest. It's kind of like, you know, the celebration of Everything that's come, everything that has been, all the hard work that's been put in, it's now this great reward before the throne where you are now present to see it all made possible, to see every tribe and every tongue, to see every nation represented here, everyone who has proclaimed the name of Jesus, everyone who's experienced redemption, everyone who's been restored, all together in one place in a loud voice proclaiming their gratefulness to God. This is, this is what we look forward to. And if you're the Jewish reader reading this, if, you're, if you have that mindset, you understand the, the scene at the Feast of Tabernacles and you're waving these palm branches, it's kind of like when I was a kid, you know, I, I grew up in the country, so we go pick strawberries. Now, when you're picking strawberries, when I was a kid, I did not like to pick strawberries, right? Like, it was, it was hot. There were bugs, like, there, right? And you think, you, my, my, my parents would always give us these, we called them the little, little punks, and they weren't. You know what those are? Like, they're not punks. Like, I didn't, if I had little punks to pick strawberries, I'd have been happy. But I, they were these things, like, with cork or something on the end, and you lit them, and smoke came off of them. And this was back before they sprayed the rivers, and, like, those black fly things were, like, all around. Like, literally, we, we called this the Perry County Wave, where I grew up. People would walk around like this all the time, because the bugs would go to the highest point. And so instead of them being in your face, you just walk around like this all the time. Hey, hey, everybody. You know, so, so this is like, this is the experience picking strawberries and it was miserable, but you know why I did it? You know why I stuck with it? Strawberry rhubarb pie. Like, like, right? Like he, strawberry shortcake. Mom would make it. Like it was worth it because I knew the reward that was coming. 
the harvest, the sacrifice, all the things that the heat, all the uncomfortableness, all that it was inconvenient was worth it because I knew what was coming. This is what God calls every one of us to. There, we are in the season now where we are harvesting. Where God says, go and plant seeds and harvest and look for people who are waking up to God, who need restoration, whose lives are full of hurt and pain and need to experience the restoration and healing of Jesus. Go look around you. There is a world full of brokenness. And you might have to work hard now, but one day you will stand as a part of this crowd. You'll be so grateful to be part of it, to celebrate that in heaven, to have this taste of heaven where every tribe and every tongue will stand around and celebrate. Do you think about one of the greatest moments in your life, that maybe a, a moment where you felt most alive, where you felt was like the best moment ever in your life? Nothing compared to this moment in heaven. Nothing. And if you read this, and this is the point of this vision, you are supposed to read it and say, how do I live in the present? Like that is my future. How do I bring that scene into my present and say, what am I doing to be part of that? As a follower of Jesus, it, it should evoke questions in your soul like, who will I know around that circle? Whose life will I have been part of to help on the journey, the life-changing journey with Jesus? Who will I have helped? Who will I slap on the back and say, it's so good to see you here? Who will I, who will I watch and say, do you see, look at, look at that person getting together with all those friends that they met, that they're part of the global circle. I supported them. I prayed for them. Man, it is so cool to be part of that. How are you going to be part of that? Jesus is saying, I want you to be part of that global circle. And that doesn't start later. Acts 1.8 says, it starts now. This is not an optional thing if you're a follower of Jesus. I mean, if, you're, if you're not, if you haven't made that commitment to Christ, you're kind of off the hook this morning a little bit because that, that was a call to people who followed Jesus who said, yes, I want to be one of the sent out ones. And if you're one of those people, it's not optional to be part of this global circle. And Jesus says, this is, this is the point. This is why you're still here to help people on this journey. And there are things that happen in global circles that don't happen anyplace else. Nowhere else in your spiritual journey will you experience the kind of things and the kind of power of God than in a global circle. Nowhere else will you experience the blessing that happens in that global circle. Nowhere else. I mean, where else do you have the opportunity to sit around a campfire in the Amazon jungle with people who speak Spanish? You sing in Spanish and you worship alongside of them. And you get the picture of the power of God. And you realize that the circle is so much bigger than you thought. Where else do you get to stand in Cambodia in a, in a youth conference center filled with these teenagers singing Cambodia is for Christ? And knowing that some of them have had to leave their families and their homes and they've been kicked out because they're following Jesus and it's all worth it to them. Where else? Do you get that moment to realize that your story of brokenness isn't just your story of brokenness? It is common among people all around the world. And you share your story with them and they share their story with you and suddenly realize you have something in common. Hurt and pain. But you have something else in common too. Restoration and redemption that's found only in Jesus. Where else can you experience 
working alongside of other people, building a hut, building a building, not speaking their language, doing charades to figure out how to like communicate and still not being frustrated and still loving each other. Like there's just this great bond that happens. You can't experience that anyplace else to share a meal with others who, I still remember one of my first trips, sharing a meal with people who had made that meal and I knew they couldn't afford to share that meal with me. And they greatly delighted me. And I thought, could I ever be this hospitable? Could I ever go back to not being this hospitable? Because this is what it means. But you don't have to just take my word. There are lots of other people in your church family who speak the same. And we're going to watch their stories right now. Yeah, for me, being a part of uh, God's global ministry just means that you're um, continuing to be invested in it while you're down there, but then also, once you come back, staying um, invested in the lives of the people that you leave behind down there. And I got to be a part of the worship team for the English camp, which was really fun, too, because one of my favorite things about being in cross-cultural missions is to worship with other people around the globe that we're all worshiping the same God and it's just, you know, a little taste of what heaven's going to be like. In 2005 was my first trip with Daybreak to Cambodia. Got to know people there, got to know two specific people, Petam and Seha. And being a part of that with them, being a part of English camp and, and getting to know people and seeing them when I return back to the mission field, uh, back to see to Cambodia. It's neat to see their growth and what God is doing in their lives. Well, to be a part of um, God's global circle in Cambodia, we had a unique experience because there was an American team and then there were a couple Canadian teams as well as two gentlemen from Laos. So you really did get that international you know, feel that we were all there and the commonality was God. Um, being being very sort of introverted and, and inward focused, um, traveling to a foreign country and, and not only that, but even getting to know new people from, from daybreak and, and going on a trip like that was was something that I was very reluctant to do initially. And, uh, and he gave me the strength to just put my trust in him and uh, to put all my other uh, weird personality traits aside and, and, and embrace uh, a full and rich experience with God. The, the part of the trip that sticks out the most clearly in my mind is there was, um, like, every night we were sharing our testimonies and it would be like a couple of us from our team would share some testimonies and then a couple from the students would share their testimonies. Um, and on the night when I shared my testimony, um, I was just a complete wreck afterwards, um, was having a hard time getting through it. And um, Mark uh, came over and just sat beside me and prayed with me. And um, it was really cool to just see, like, um, he has stuff in his past that is very similar to stuff that I've gone through. Um, so just seeing the the connections and the similarities between um, the, the full-time missionaries down there and, and our team 
is really cool. <laughs> I think one part was during one of the um, worship times we had at English camp where we sang a song called Cambodia is for Christ. And just to see all of the people out there, because we sang Cambodia is for Christ, we sang Canada is for Christ, we sang, you know, America is for Christ and Laos is for Christ. And just to see um, the people there, Cambodian people, Canadian, everybody worshiping the same God. Um, with such passion, enthusiasm, I just kind of felt like an out-of-body out of experience just looking at that and saying, this is what it's all about. And one of the excursions we had was to a temple. And so we were supposed to stay with our teams and, and go to the temple and walk around the ruins. And it was really, it's Indiana Jones kind of ruins. It was really pretty cool. Um, and so we, we got to walk through, and then it started raining. It started pouring, so we decided we're going to get wet. That's okay. And so we, we got together. We, we tried to grab some of the students, and we started exploring these ruins together. And slowly but surely, the other people went back to the bus because it still is raining. But it was exciting because our team got together as we were exploring, and we explored the ruins for about an hour and a half in the rain. And it was so much fun. Good bonding time as, as a team. What I would tell other daybreakers um, for the reason they should go is to um, just be able to wake up to what God is doing um, in other cultures and the love that he has for other nations and to join him in his work that's going on in different cultures because it's just not time that is wasted. It's something that you will never regret doing. I would I would tell daybreakers that are thinking of it, that are nervous, to trust in God. Trust in God for all things, whether it's anxieties, um, money, what have you. God will provide. He wants you there. So trust in Him. And then the other thing is, is obey. If you hear God calling you, don't push it off. Um, he wants you to be a part, and He will teach you as well as show you um, his love in other people. It's a, it's a completely different experience than anything else you could ever experience. Um, it's also just such a, such a life-changing moment that like, you go down there and you, you think, oh, I'm going to invest in the lives of all these people. And you do, but not as much as what you get in return. If you're looking for a more introverted person uh, than me, you're, you're probably not going to find one. If you're looking for someone who you want to bounce excuses off of, of, well, I can't go because of this or that or the other thing, please come and talk to me because uh, I just, I can't tell you how uh, eye-opening the whole experience was for me. Um, so much so that, you know, when, when we left, the day we left uh, Niawachi, uh, to head home, I remember telling Mark that I would be back next year, and, and my commitment to that hasn't, hasn't wavered one bit. Man, can you imagine that? Imagine being part of that. Listen, tomorrow morning, you're going to get up, and kids are going to be crying, or you got to go to school, or you got homework to do, or... You're going to go to work, and you're going to spend the days, and you're going to go back to monotony. 
of every day living. But you don't have to. You don't have to. You can live your life differently if you can get this picture in your mind of what God dreams for you. To stand around that circle. To one day to stand around a circle with every tribe and every tongue and every nation. And you can experience that here on the planet, just going on a global trip, by taking the next step and saying, I want to know how much God cares about me by caring about others. I'm tired of living this life that's not empowered, and so I'm going to get off the riverbank, and I'm going to step into the powerful stream and current of God's Spirit and let Him use me to help others get to know Him, to glorify His name, to bless others, and to allow God to bless me in the process. You get to be part of that. It just takes a choice to gather around the throne, to have a moment of an image and a picture that the scriptures to other places say, the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard the incredible things that God has prepared for us in that moment, around that circle. So I want you to be able to take all that in. I want you to be able to take that in this morning. I want you to get a picture of what it means to stand around that circle with people from every tongue and every tribe and every nation saying salvation belongs to our God. How great is our God? How much restoration and change I've experienced by our God? How much other people have been here and I'm celebrating with them and, and enjoying this moment of everything that God wants from me. This is what God desires for us. And so we're going to bring the lights down and we're going to sit in the moment of a song in just a second after I pray, and I want you to get a picture of that moment. And I want you to think, how can I live my life in light of that, in light of that ultimate destination? What's that moment going to be like because of how I live here and now? Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you've done so much. You've laid down all of your life. You came, you lived, you predicted your death, and resurrection and pulled it off. You made it impossible for us not to say, I got to check that out. I got to believe that God really does love me. If that is true, I got to take a step. And you didn't just do that for me. You did that for so many others. And you have given each of us the privilege as followers of Jesus to say, I love other people enough to see them in this circle, proclaiming how great is our God. Salvation belongs to you. God, you have been so great. You have restored us. You've renewed us. You've redeemed us. And that's, that's just the beginning of what we'll experience in heaven. That gives us a taste of heaven today. Help us to really picture what it will be like for us in those moments. In Jesus' name.